Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. And we'll see. Anybody know what I'm teaching on this morning? Spirit-filled life. And what, what, you came this morning ready to hear about what? The power gifts, right? I'm going to talk about healing and faith and miracles this morning. Uh, I'm going to continue down that road. I think that one of the greatest things needed today is for the church to get back to the reality that she is filled with the presence of God. There's so much conversation, me included, about how to move into the presence of God when the reality of it is, is that the presence of God has already moved into you. It's kind of that oxymoron of seeking the presence of God and literally being found by the presence that's living on the inside of you. How would you live if you knew you were married to the most beautiful woman in the world? How would you live if you were married to the most beautiful man in the world? How would you live if you knew the marriage had already taken place? Everybody's waiting on the marriage supper of the Lamb. What they're forgetting is they're already married. Everybody's waiting on something that in reality you can experience right now. Everybody's waiting for something to end when the truth of the matter is there was a beginning. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives that we no longer live with God up there and us down here, but that we live right now in union with God. That the prayer that Christ prayed that we would be one is reality. So I'm going to keep moving into that. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Say with me, by my spirit. When John was questioning uh, the reality that Jesus was the Christ, he was in prison about to be beheaded, and he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one, or should I look for another? And Jesus said, go ask him what he sees. And that reality is that the blind receive their sight, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is everyone who is not offended at this. And Jesus is quoting Isaiah and Malachi and several, and he's saying, listen, the verification of who I am is found in the works that I do. That Christ is verified as the Christ because he lives the fulfillment of the prophetic utterances where healing is concerned. And then this little statement that Christ makes to John's disciples, blessed is he who's not offended at this. I've lived my life knowing that many people are offended by the teaching of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That many people have spent most of their life, denominations have spent most of their life trying to tell us that that all has ceased. Well, at the Father's house we don't believe that. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that God has highly gifted each and every one of you. Look, look at your neighbor and say, you are a gifted person. God has given you the gift of eternal life. He has given you the gift of himself and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. And the better word to use there is manifestations, meaning that the Holy Spirit, God, God the Holy Spirit, manifests himself, makes himself known through various ways and means. If you're ever around someone, you have a close friend, that close friend has certain attributes about them and you know that's your friend because they speak certain ways. Well, the Holy Spirit manifests, makes himself known in specifically nine different ways, words of wisdom, words of knowledge 
knowledge, discerning of spirits, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, and then healing faith and miracles. And they're broken down, those nine are broken down into three areas. One is revelatory. I taught on that last week. How many knowledge, wisdom, and discernment? You got it? Uh, this week I'm going to talk about the power gifts, those gifts of healings, of faith, and of miracles. The Holy Spirit makes himself known through healings, he makes himself known by the gift of faith and also by miracles. Uh, the Bible says we perish for the lack of knowing. Many people just don't even know that the reality of God's presence in us will make himself known through revelation, through prophecy and tongues, and also through these power gifts. I love what Paul says when he says, I, I pray for you every day because I know you've been enriched by the presence of God and I want you to lack nothing when it comes to gifts. Well, one translation says, I don't want you to come up short. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want you to be too short. And he hates it when I do this. He doesn't want you to lack anything. Meaning that he is the God that has generously gifted his people. And that he wants you to discover those gifts and understand those gifts. Uh, if you've ever given a gift to somebody and they come back to their house and they've never unwrapped it, that, right? God has given gifts to us, but by and large, the body of Christ has refused to unwrap them because they are so powerful that, that we can't control them. They're so unique that we have trouble understanding them. So the gift of healing. A friend of mine by the name of Brennan Manning makes this statement. There is one thing that I hear with growing clarity, and it's that God is calling each of us, every Christian, to personally participate in the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, nearly 40 years of ministry, healing is needed now more than it's ever needed. And I'm not talking just about your physical. I'm telling you that people mentally need healed. People in their soul need healed. People in their relationships need healing. Everywhere you look, people are having to take some kind of medication just to stay calm. Hear me, the body of Christ has been given this gift to bring healing to the spirit, the soul, and the body. We so many times lobby for medical things when the reality of it is, is that hidden within the church is the latent potential to bring healing into the psychic of every human being. To bring back together those fragmented pieces so that we live whole salvitic lives. That we would no longer have to substitute drugs or alcohol or anything else to make us happy. But that we would discover that happiness is the reality of God in us revealing all that he is to us. Brennan Manning says, I believe the greatest need today is for every Christian, every believer in God to participate in that healing. Hear me very clearly. There's no such thing as a healer. There's no such thing. God will manifest his healing through every one of you. He gives gifts of healing. He doesn't call you to be a healer. He manifests himself through you with multiple gifts that will bring people into that health, into that divine reality of living the way that God created us. One of the most powerful healings I ever received, uh, we were living over on 8th Street, and I was ill. I was dead bone ill. And I'm laying in the bed, and, and, and my, my three-and-a-half, four-year-old daughter comes in and comes around, looks over the bed and says, Daddy, are you sick? I said, Yes, I am. She reached up and slapped her hand on my chest, said, In Jesus' name, be healed. And she walked around the bed, and before she could get out of the bedroom, I was instantly healed. I want you to know something. That didn't happen because she watched TV. No. 
That happened because she had been raised in an environment that believed that whoever has hands could lay them on the sick and they'd recover. That little child didn't, didn't know all the steps of faith or healing. She just had this innocence that God would heal her daddy. I'm telling you, we need to be raising our children to turn away from scientific knowledge in that regard and to understand that God will use a child to manifest some of the greatest, most perfect. I can remember following that kid down the hallway going, what did you do? How did you do that? And I sat and wrote just journals of books trying to understand. It was the innocence of that childlike faith that had been raised in an atmosphere that she had no doubt that when she said Jesus' name, he would do something. Maybe we ought to recover the innocence of a child. He said, unless you become as a child. So I want you to hear me this morning. Everything I'm about to say, you're going to have to disregard as an adult. Everything I'm about to say, you're going to have to suspend all of that analytical brain knowledge that you have. And you're going to have to, as a child, trust me a little bit that what I'm telling you is the things of God. So that you can participate in the healing of other people. That other people can become everything God called them to be. From the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus told his disciples to go heal the sick. He had not been crucified. He had not been resurrected. Healing is not simply the byproduct of the cross. Healing was the gift to every human being from the beginning of creation. You find healing in the Old Testament long before Christ ever walked here. And the minute he had followers, he said, I'm going to send you out. You go heal the sick. He had faith in them. He had instructed them and given them the instructions as to how to lay hands on. It's not magic. It's the gift that comes from God. And if the verification of his identity is that signs, wonders, and miracles followed him, you must also recognize that the Bible says signs, wonders, and miracles followed those that believed. So that whatever Christ did, we should do also. And greater things will you do than this. See, I'm already stretching your mind because, well, that's not my experience. Well, don't allow your experience to change the reality of the promises that God has given to you. We've all seen the negativity of certain things, but we fail to remember the moments that God has done things in our lives that is substantial. In the first service alone, Don walked down here. She was supposed to be dead. In the first service alone, I watched Mel, who was supposed to die of brain cancer. In the first service alone, and now in the second, Sean, who was diagnosed with cancer, is clean for four years. I'm telling you, you have to remember the good and not the ugly. You have to make up your mind in this room that you're going to accept the reality that it is God's will that he would heal all and do good to all. Have we arrived there? No. But bless God, before the coming of the Lord, he said his church would be glorious without spot or wrinkle. Listen to me. Many of you are watching what's happening in the world and predicting the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord will be first predicated and preceded by the glorious power of the church. I have no interest in watching what's happening in the world. The Bible says the world will grow dark, but brighter and brighter will the church yet become. We haven't quite got there. Doesn't mean we can't. It just means we have not quite got there. Don't watch the world to read the signs. Watch the Christ and read the signs. We are supposed to be living in the divine health of God. We are supposed to recognize that from the very beginning, he created man to walk in the health that he had given them. 
When we look to the story of our faith, we see that when Israel was in bondage in Egypt, God sent Moses and delivered them from Pharaoh. But not only did he deliver them from Pharaoh, the Bible says there was no sick or feeble among them when they came out. That being set free of bondage is tantamount to being made whole. There was no sick or feeble. He told them, I am the God that healeth thee. All of this being in the Old Testament written through the realities where he says, I will take away sickness from your midst. Psalm 103 says he forgives all of your sins except the ones that those around you remember. He forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. Say with me, all, all. Say with me, all. I need to stretch my faith a little bit. I cried out to the Lord, and he said, he hears my cry. He heals and saves me. Psalm 107 says he removes all of them. Deuteronomy says he'll increase the fruit of our land, and he'll take sickness from us. Hear me clearly. The healing ministry of Christ did not begin with the charismatic movement. It did not begin with the Pentecostal movement. It started when God created man. And it was made manifest throughout the covenant of the old and brought into reality in a fresh way through the ministry of Christ. To understand that we ourselves must now recover the the reality and the gift that God desires to heal every one of us. If you look into the Old Testament, they begin to expect their God to heal. When her son had died and the prophet sent someone to inquire, is everything okay? She shouted out, it is well. It's well. She fully expected Elijah to show up and heal her son. When the servant girl was ministering to the, to the mistress of Naaman, she said, wait a minute. There is a prophet over in Israel that can heal Naaman. She fully knew that the prophet would heal those that came to him. Healing was anticipated and expected through the ministry of the covenant of God as we find it given to Moses given down through the history of the church. I am the Lord. I am the Lord that will heal thee. And then you move into the major and the minor prophets of the Old Testament and they made statements like, and he will come with healing in his wings. Isaiah will write that the eyes will be open and the lame will dance. And that's who Christ quotes as he's trying to verify who he is to John the Baptist. We need to understand that Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, says that by my stripes you will be healed. And Peter quotes him in 2 Peter and says, by his stripes you are healed. We must understand that the gift of salvation contains within it the freedom to walk free of sickness and disease of oppressions and depressions, that if if God comes into our life, we can fully expect him to deliver us from the suppressive nature of the culture around us. We must sit here and recognize that many of us have been turned off by what we saw on television or by what we experienced as the gifts of the Spirit were recovered during the Pentecostal movement. And that just because we saw misuses of it and abuses of it does not rob us from the reality that it is true that God heals people in His name. And that just because we've had to bury some that God didn't apparently heal does not keep us from recognizing that we simply lost in that moment and the enemy won. But hear me, it was one game by one point. And nearly every Kansas City Chief fan is depressed this morning. 
And it was one game by one point. And can I tell you, you giggle at that, but I watch people who knew someone who died. Thus, healing doesn't work. Are you kidding me? Just because we've seen that does not mean that God has not made the promises that he's made. We must continue to move towards that trajectory of that moment to where every eye will be opened, to where all plagues and diseases will be under his feet, to where we will see the glory of God being manifested through his church. That is the promise that we've been given. And when Christ comes, he quotes Isaiah and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you understand that if you get the heart healed, the rest will follow? That if you'll prosper in your soul, you'll prosper in your body? Jesus came and said, the reason I've come to you is that you can see who the Father is. And the Father is a God that wants to heal everyone. That he wants to release all of us from those oppressions that have come upon us because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I'm here this morning to say to you, recover your hope, recover your confidence, recover your belief that there is a God of power that desires to restore the gifts of healing into the hands of all people and not to someone up here on the stage. One of the main deceptions that took place in the latter 20th century is we thought that Benny Hinn had the gift of healing. Benny Hinn does not have the gift of healing any more than Earl Roberts had the gift of healing. Listen to me, there's no such thing as a gift of healing. There are gifts, plural, manifestations of healing that'll flow through a four-year-old on 8th Street, that'll flow through you at work, that'll work in every area of our lives. The reason why you're not seeing that televangelist is because everybody got their eyes on that televangelist and God is moving today to try to recover that healing gifts moving through everyone in this room. I remember very clearly years ago, every time Ron Yoder would lay his hands on somebody for their back to be healed, God would heal their back. And I asked God, give me that gift. He said, I have. His name's Ron. (laughs) You didn't get it. Listen, I'm ahead of myself, but I'll do it anyway. For years, I wore these glasses and I had this divine stigma in my life. It was the best way I could describe it is just cross your eyes. It looked like you were cross-sided. But the stigma was so real that there'd be two of Cameron sitting here. And I'd look up and there'd be three of you. It was like, and I put glasses on, then it would refocus that stigma. We moved to Hutchinson, Kansas. I wanted to be healed. And I knelt at the little altar one Sunday night and I prayed, God, I need you to heal my eyes. And he said, I did. I stood up and looked around and said, well, not quite. (laughs) And put my glasses back on. But what I did start doing was saying, God has healed me. I started saying it. And two or three weeks later, it's on a Sunday night, and there were multiple, multiple, 25, 30 people there, and I'm praying for God to heal me. I knelt and I heard the Lord say, I, actually, I bargained with him. It's another story. Uh, I said, Lord, the next person that touches me, I'll receive my healing. And the lady in the church I didn't like at all touched me. I had to pray, God, forgive me for not. And I stood up, and he said, now I've healed you. And there were still two of Dale. And I, I got ready to put my glasses on. He said, are you going to believe what you see or believe what I said? Uh-huh. Hmm. 
So I left my glasses off. Funny story that night, guy in the church and I were supposed to drive to Kansas City for Children's Mercy because David uh, Martin was having back surgery the next morning, and so we drove late into the night, and he said, you want me to drive? I said, no, I got this. I kept running off the road. He kept going, Pastor, are you really healed? I said, yes, I am. <laughs> Eight weeks, and I'm bumping into door frames, and I'm bouncing into this, because the only time it'd clear up is when I'd read the scriptures. And those days, this little church was here, the bathroom was here, and I could walk across the hall onto the stage, and I remember the Sunday, I stepped across the hall, looked up, and guess what? The crowd had been diminished by two. <laughs> there weren't as many as I thought. Because my eyes were healed. Listen to me, you can either believe what he said or believe what you see. But I promise you, you'll have to go through the process of understanding, healing, and developing your faith. And sometimes it takes a little time. Healing can be a process, it doesn't have to be instantaneous. Healing. Say it with me by his stripes, I am healed. By his spirit, I am gifted. I'm gifted to operate in the promises that he has made for us. Because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to restore to us that covenant that is ours. And that every healing is a movement of the compassion of God. He looks at the crowd and says, is it easier for me to say you're forgiven or take up your bed and walk? To receive the grace and the forgiveness of God is to also receive the gifts of God that manifest the healing in our lives. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. As the Father sent me, so I send you, that greater works might you do than these. Look at your neighbor and say, you're part of that they. You're part of that reality that we are to move into this world and recognize that the prayer of faith will heal and save the sick. You can never talk about healing without connecting it to faith. Most of my life in ministry, I have watched preachers, me included, that we would teach about healing. And then next year we'd teach about faith. The truth of the matter is the power gifts are linked together. They can't be separated. Healing and faith must be taught in the interaction and the interplay in which we find them in the New Testament. He is common to say, oh, your faith made you well. Oh, your faith did that. To connect the reality that now faith is. Say now. Faith is not something in the future or in the past. Faith is now the substance of things hoped for. Meaning that faith has a picture of what it desires. Faith sees itself as whole. Faith sees itself as free. Faith describes itself as one who has received. Paul says that by grace you are saved through faith. And this not of yourself. It is a gift. Listen. Faith itself is a gift. Every one of you have received what Paul says is a measure of faith. Say a measure. Took me years to uncover the true meaning of a measure. This is, uh, what is this? This is, 16, this is 32 ounces. This is 32 ounces. I think this is, what, 12 ounces? So there's 32 in here and 12 or 16 in here. If you go get a gallon, it's 64 ounces. We've each been given a measure. You don't get mine. You get yours. To each one of us has been given a certain measure of faith. It's interesting because the Bible says that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. So if you just got a little bit, it'll move mountains. You don't have to envy somebody that might have bigger faith because if you got a little faith, you can move the Rocky Mountains, and you haven't been doing that lately. So until you live up to the measure that you already have, you don't get to envy the measure that other people have. 
Am I making sense? So faith is a gift. First of all, you don't pump your faith up. Faith is not something you pump up. Faith is something you receive. So just as you receive any other gift, I receive the gift of faith. I don't try to pump up my faith. I receive the gift of faith, and I receive the measure that he's given unto me. Everyone in this room has received a measure of faith, the ability to believe that Jesus is Lord. When St. Jude writes to the church, he said, I need to talk to you about the common faith. I need you to contend for your faith. That means that there is something or someone or a force out there that wants to rob you this morning of your faith to believe in God. Wants to give you distractions. Wants to say this to you. Wants to do this to you. Wants to deplete your faith in God. Have to recognize that 99% of what you're listening to is not building your faith. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That the more you hear of who God truly is, his generosity, his love, that's why sometimes religion doesn't help you. Because religion's telling you how much you're damned, not how much you're blessed. Religion's telling you how much you fall short rather than telling you how much he has blessed you. But faith can increase. In other words, God will give you a gift of faith, and then it might be a little bit. He talks about he who has little faith. But he also talks about those that have great faith. He talks about those who have growing faith. He talks about Stephen and says he's a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So you've been given a measure. My question is, what have you done with what you've got? The story of the talents. He gave one person this talent. He gave this person two talents. He gave this person five talents. How you handle what you've received will determine whether you will increase in that reality or not. You don't get to try to move mountains if you haven't developed the gift that you've got. I'll give this much to you. And if you're a good steward of what I've given you, I'll increase that ability. I'll tell you something. Kathy reminded us last night that she was in the house. I wouldn't even have remembered it. But Ashley was a little bitty thing, about three, I think. And she had these tremendous ear issues. Today, you go get tubes in. We didn't have tubes. We're old. We didn't have insurance. I remember walking into the emergency room and they said, no, we won't see you. Don't tell me that people can always get care because there's people all over the world today that do not get medical care. There's people in America that do not get medical care. There's people all over the world that have no medical care. Even if it was there, they couldn't have gotten it. And we had none. We were, Heather says we were too poor to have the R. We just pulled. I took that baby home, and Annie would walk the floor with that baby, and that baby would say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Sometime around four in the morning, I fell asleep. When I woke up, that baby rolled over, and the stuff had come out of this ear. When she rolled back over, it came out of that ear. That little moment was a moment where my faith began to increase. My faith began to grow. See, when you begin to have little moments like that, you begin to recognize it's going to take greater faith to raise these kids. I raised kids in the 20th century. I've watched them become adults in the 21st century. Can I tell you, the little faith that, that saw healing in that child, that faith has had to grow so that now I can think about grandchildren or great grandchildren. What are you doing with the faith that you have? Have you just got it? Now you're just going to hold out until the whistle blows and you can go to heaven? You don't get to criticize those of us that teach and preach in faith if all you can do is criticize what we're doing. 
I have watched critics of healing. I have watched people misunderstand. Listen, I'm doing all I can do. I have watched people misunderstand my emotion and my enthusiasm, and they didn't like it. Many people have moved away from the gifts of the Spirit because it was emotional. Listen, if your baby had been sick and been healed last Friday, you'd have been happy on Sunday too. If you'd experienced those things. But I'm trying to tone it down so that you can't back away because I'm emotional. Come back next week. I'll be emotional. I'm still emotional about what God did in my eyes, what God did in my children. I'm still emotional about what God did in Sean. I'm emotional about Hoxton running around and having life. I'm emotional about that. But I'm not going to give you that emotion as an excuse for you not to develop the faith that you have received and that if you want to grow in your faith, you can choose to do that. We can choose to live down our critics because wouldn't it be wonderful if everywhere you went, healing just happened because you were in the room? You didn't have to say anything. You just walked through the room and your shadow and you walked out of the room. They don't know what hit them, but they just got healed. And your name would never be attached to it. Let me say it again. Your name would never be attached to it. Most people are seeking an identification, a thank you for what they did. True healing ministry no one even knows about. No one knows the name. Only God gets the credit. They call it a miracle. I call it a healing because I'm walking in the faith to see that manifested just because my presence is in the room. I could tell a story, but it's a little too embarrassing. Shelby and I, I didn't do anything. I just was there. I didn't do a thing. Wouldn't it be wonderful just because you were there, the high school that your kids went to would stop fighting and they would figure out how to just teach. Wouldn't it be really good as that, that, that thing you got going on at work that you would be the presence that brought peace to it instead of you joining the criticism of everybody else telling them how to do it? Faith comes by hearing, but it's developed by your participation. It's developed by your ability not to make your faith toxic by what the world is saying. I have watched a lot of people allow what's going on in the world to bring toxicity to their faith rather than to allow God to develop the degrees of faith from little to strong to increasing to full to great faith. Or as Paul will say, they have the spirit of faith and thus they spoke. I can tell where people's faith out by what rolls out their mouth. Because when you have the spirit of faith, it's just the conversation that you have. It's the way you approach everything. I remember the day Sean walked in the room. I remember when they sat down there and it come up out of my life. Okay, is that conversation helpful or is that conversation hurtful? You see, when you have a spirit of faith, you can't engage in the language of this world. When you have the spirit of faith, you can only talk the language of the kingdom. There's many people that have never learned the language of the kingdom and they're allowing so many other things to take their attention and get distracted and entangled in the things of this world. But if you truly walk in the spirit of faith, you must rise in the conversation of the kingdom. I realize some of you are going, what does this have to do with me? Do you want free? Do you want to rise above? You want to fly with the eagles? You got to de develop your faith as much as you want to develop your skills at whatever.
I've spent my life developing a faith. Look at your number and say, you can, your neighbor, you can grow. You can grow in your faith. You can move into different degrees of your faith. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He gives you the faith, and then he begins to tweak your faith and develop it so that it can mature and so that you can develop in all those areas so that you can experience. Hmm. How about try it right now? Just close your eyes for a moment. Father, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Now look at me. You're probably going to have a problem tomorrow. Every time I've asked God, God, I want to go to another level. All hell broke up. Right? A problem would come. And I'd have to develop and use my faith to face that issue. So most of the time we discover that our muscles are built when we put them under stress. That when you put your muscles in stress, your muscles grow. If you run on the treadmill, if you lift the weights. The same thing is true with your faith. The more you're able to engage in the things of God by standing on his word and confessing his word, the more that strength of faith will come to you and you'll be able to participate in this world in a powerful way. Am I I making any sense? Say with me, I believe in the gifts of healing. I believe that God has given me the gift of faith. I believe I can grow in both. Miracles. You know what a miracle is? A miracle is when there is no faith and God does it anyway. Have you ever been in that situation where there was no faith? You knew you were double-minded. I know you're double-minded. Everybody around you know you're double-minded. You're saying all the right things, but you're scared to death. I mean, you're trying to put on this facade that you're just really good, and yet back here you're going, oh, crap. See, there's no faith there, right? He who is double-minded, there's no, he should not think he really. And yet, have you ever seen God do something when you knew you weren't, right? And, and everybody goes, oh, that was great. And you're on the inside going, oh. They were rowing across the lake. And the storm came up. Jesus was in their boat. And they were scared to death. They woke up Jesus and he said, why are you so fearful, O you of no faith? Even though they had no faith, what did he do? He stopped the storm anyway. Can I tell you that miracles are the grace of God manifested into the lives of people who don't even believe. That's why God does miracles in the places around the world where there is no faith. Because that miracle revealed to them who Christ really is. Now listen to me. Lots of people say, I want to see miracles. Well, It's better to live in the blessings of God and to walk in divine health than it is to go from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. It's better to grow up and begin to walk in the things of God because you participate and have taken responsibility to grow. Can I tell you one of the most frustrating things I experience as a pastor of many years? Shandai, 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 Shandai. You're healed and you walk out that door and you eat that stuff that'll kill you. You walk out that door, and you do things that will hurt that body. You come in here, and you want to be prayed for for healing. 
But you go out there and you have no stewardship over what you put into that body. That's double-mindedness. If you see the manifestation of God's grace and healing, it's a miracle. Because you don't care enough about yourself to think about what you're putting in the thing. Hear me. Miracles are God's grace for your stupidity. Now, I need them, right? Because I'm not pretending to have it all together. But when miracles happen, and we go, oh, that's a miracle, it's the admission that we are immature in our own faith. It's admission. Listen, there's no such thing as a miracle worker. No such thing. I would make a huge mistake. I was in Uganda, Kampala, and, and it was hot, and there were 4,500 to 5,000 people in the room, and we'd been through four hours of praise and worship. If you want to know what praise and worship is, I'm going too long. Come with me. We'll go to Africa. And they, they were, and, and they, we prayed, and we do all this, and they're bringing the children. I pray over the children, and then they're getting ready to let me preach. I thought we were going home, and they're getting ready to let me preach. And they bring in these 25 or 30 people on mats that are like this. And they bring them and put them in front of me, and then they say, preach. Well, I'm staring at them. I'm thinking, hi, bye, hi. Whew. And I got to yammering about Isaiah chapter 10, the anointing of God. And that stage was high. And I come running down off that stage, and I reached up, and this hand was right here. And I grabbed that hand, and I threw her like that. And she started running around that room. And I'm going, what was that? All kinds of miracles took place that day. Can I tell you, I'd have been a fool to come home and call myself a miracle worker. I'd have been a fool to grab you by the hand and throw you up out of that chair. I'd have been a fool to do that. Because that was a gift. That was that moment. That was a miracle. And I remember the old black man sitting down beside me and said, son, that had nothing to do with you. It had to do with them people. Had to do with their faith, not yours. Listen to me. Gifts of healing, gifts of faith, gifts of miracles are divinely given to people who are generally engaged in ministry. I'm going to say it again. Many people want certain gifts because they want a stage. And they'll go build a ministry around the gifts. If you build a ministry around the gifts, there'll come a moment God will lift that off of you to see whether or not you'll keep performing. And I have watched people who operate in gifts. We're going to have healing tonight. And we show up and there was no anointing to heal. But we still proclaimed it. That's foolish. And when we do that, we look foolish to the world. Are you listening to me? You have to receive it as a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or a discernment. I'm doing this on purpose. If God doesn't give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge and discernment, you might want to keep your mouth shut. Because <laughs> the last time we struck the rock, this time we were supposed to speak to the rock. The last time he told David to overtake, this time he told him to stand still. You don't want to try to make a formula or a pattern out of any of this stuff. It's dependent upon a relationship with God. This church went through a tremendous revival about 20 years ago. And I remember as it lifted, and as it lifted, I had people standing right here telling me, you've shut it down. And I'm thinking, honey, I didn't start it. It had nothing to do with me. And I have come to the realization that I ain't going to perform like your monkey grinder either. 
I'm not a slot machine, throw a quarter in, pull the arm, get a word. Uh, no, no, no. The way we honor and humbly walk in this will determine the level that God will trust us in this. I'm making any sense. Say with me, I'm highly gifted. I don't want to neglect the gift. I want to stir up the gift. But it's his gift. It's not mine. God will work in all of this as we allow ourselves to fall into the obedience of the Christ that will guide us through these realities. Are you learning anything? Am I? If you understood the restraint, <laughs> if you understood the restraint that I'm trying to... Yeah, but what about the apostles? Do you remember where Peter's shadow, where Paul's handkerchief, where Peter raised that girl from the dead, where it says that Paul did unusual miracles or extraordinary miracles by the work of his hand. Listen, I have heard all of the stories about cessationists that say this has passed away. But today, 35 years after pastoring here, I have read all the early fathers. I have read Ignatius, Irenaeus, Hippocletus. I have read St. Augustine. And I have read Cyprian. I have read Thomas Aquinas. All of them from the first century to this talk about the miracles, the prophetic utterances. The church is filled in every generation of the signs and the wonders and the miracles of God. It did not start with the Pentecostal movement. We may have recovered it in the Pentecostal movement, but it didn't begin there. It has always been from the moment that God created man till he delivered Israel out of the bondage of Pharaoh, manifest in its fullness through Christ and given to us, and it has been operating in the church for 2,000 years. We should not allow the sophistication of theology or philosophy or anything else to diminish the reality that God created us in his image and has handed us his spirit and said, here, go into all the world and pray for the sick and they'll recover. While the world's engaged in their debates, maybe we should just recover the foundation of who we are and live that in the humility and the honor that God has called us to. Amen? Amen. I think it would be wonderful if every one of you this afternoon, wherever you go to eat, you walk in, you sit down, and you just, you just sit there, and you just pray for God to touch the server. Touch, you don't even have to say anything. Just allow the Spirit of God to move through that place. It's not just for here. This is wonderful. But if this is the only place it happens, when your baby gets sick, I'm not open. It's in your house. It's in your house. Okay, I'm closing. You're going to get out of here in time to see Mahone's. A couple of little things I've learned. The gifts of the Holy Spirit only operate in an atmosphere of grace. Only in an atmosphere where we forgive one another, have mercy and love for one another. The gifts of the Spirit will not operate in legalism. The gift of the Spirit will not operate in condemnation or criticism. The gifts of the Spirit operate when the church, the body, the people of God understand not to think more highly of themselves, but to understand we're all sinners saved by grace. I've spent most of my life teaching unconditional love. 
and grace. I've watched the gifts of the Spirit increase. I've watched them decrease. Generally, it had to do with criticism. Generally, it had to do with legalism. And the Spirit of God would just back up. Because God will heal people that you don't think deserves to be in the room. He really will. The second thing is it takes unity. 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 That means there's people in this room that didn't vote the way you voted. There's people in this room that don't see the world the way you see the world. There's people in this room in here that are different from you. And I have begged you for the last two or three years, don't allow that to become a part of us. Have your opinions, have your perspectives. But listen to me, someone in here disagrees with you. Someone here has a different experience than you. We are unified around the cause of Christ, not around our own opinions. Don't allow anything to break that unity in the Christ. Walk in grace, make up your mind to walk in unity. When you do, you create the atmosphere for the signs and the wonders of God to operate in your life. Am I making any sense? I believe I'm doing nothing in the last six or seven weeks but preparing us for what I believe God is wanting to do in our lives. Number three, manners. Paul writes to the church of Corinth which is extremely gifted. And he said, you're out of order. You're out of order. Have some manners with one another. Do you know God never interrupts God? I don't interrupt myself. So it's an amazing gift I have. I don't interrupt me. If I do, I need mental help. God doesn't interrupt God. I've been raised in this. You don't jump up in the middle of the sermon and start talking in tongues. That's out of order. There is an order to what we do. There's a reason we do it the way we do it. It's because we have to maintain some kind of order. Am I making sense yet? I've saved the tongue thing for next week. We're going to do that next week, right? So, grace, unity, and manners. If we do that, the the giftedness of God will manifest in our lives. In Jesus' name. Stand with me. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show, and it'll just drop right into your feed, and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers. And that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.